Today, our topic in terms when we're looking at vision in action is risk-taking service and mission. That is one of our values here at Midway Church. And as we're looking at risk-taking mission and service, there's a few pieces of scripture that we're going to dig into to guide our discussion. Those come from Micah and Matthew and Luke. You can read along in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. Let us go to the word this morning. Micah 6, verses 6 through 8 say this. What shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, for the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Matthew 25, 35 through 40 says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whenever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And the Luke 6, verse 30 through 36 tells us this. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I don't know if you have given much thought about expectations in your life, but I think about expectations a lot. And when I think about expectations, the range is very wide in my life. I've always had very high expectations of myself, yet I very often fall short of those expectations. In fact, I can think of many stories in my life where I have been beyond frustrated with myself because of my lack of follow-through or because of the fact that I've fallen short of what I think is appropriate or what I think is okay for me to be doing. When I was a young mother, I really tried to be the best young mother that I could be, 
having two young children 22 months apart is not the easiest thing on the planet. I do know that there's people who have children that are closer together in age than that, and it's even harder. But I know that when my boys were really little, it was really hard. I love looking at pictures of it today. In fact, I have a little Amazon um, Echo that shows me pictures all day long. I have one in my office and I have one at home and I love looking at those pictures and I look at those pictures with joy and happiness and I go, oh, remember those days? But then I remember being in those moments and I remember how hard those days were. In fact, I remember there was a time specifically, I'll never ever forget this time, when I was in Brennan's room and his room had this overflowing huge pile of laundry. And I remember looking at it just thinking, how in the world did that get so bad? And I said to Brennan, I said he couldn't have been more than five years old. He was probably four, but maybe five. And I said, where in the world has the laundry fairy been? And he looked at me in all seriousness and he said, mom, you're the laundry fairy. And I just about died because he was right. I am the laundry fairy. I'm the person who's supposed to show up and pick up the laundry and get it all done right. Today, I'm not only the laundry fairy, but I'm the dinner fairy. The first thing I promise you every day that all three of my kids ask me without fail is this, what's for dinner? In fact, on Sunday mornings, very frequently, because that Amazon Alexa thing lets you talk to people, Maylee will drop into my office and she'll say, hi mom, what's for dinner? Seven o'clock in the morning on Sunday, I'm getting ready for church. She doesn't care about any of that. All she cares about is what's for dinner? So I'm the laundry fairy, I'm the dinner fairy. For you all, I'm the prayer fairy, I'm the visitation fairy, I am the scripture fairy, I'm the, I don't know, whatever you wanna fill in the blank, I'm that fairy. And you all have expectations for how I should be doing my fairy jobs. My kids have expectations for how I should be doing my fairy jobs. Joe has expectations for how I should be doing my wifely fairy jobs, which include picking up socks off the floor, sometimes underwear because he's just Joe. But, you know, I have all of these things I need to be doing. And I often fall short, short of the mark. I often don't do it well, and I often look around looking for my little helper, only to be reminded that I am the little helper. And it's interesting to me as I read scripture and I think about who we are as the church and what it is we've created in terms of expectations for us as people of God. The first church, the Jewish church, they had a whole litany of expectations. They took the first books of scripture, the first book of rules, and they took those rules and they created expectation on top of expectation on top of expectation, rule on top of rule, and they made a way of life around these rules. And you had to fit your life into this specific way of living that was governed by these specific rules. And these specific rules in living them lost all of the heart of living. And if you look at Micah, which is where we begin today, you see God speaking to God's people. 
You see God speaking to God's creation, his children, the ones he loves more than anything. The people that God wants to be in relationship with, the people that God created to fix the brokenness of this earth. And here's what God says to this people who have set up all of these expectations, all of these ways of living so that they could live rightly, potentially in the eyes of God. And here's what God says to them. With what shall I come before the Lord? Shall I bow down and exalt thee? Well, there's certainly in the Old Testament plenty of scripture that says you're supposed to bow down and exalt the Lord. Shall I become before you with burnt offerings? There's plenty of scripture in the Old Testament in Leviticus and Deuteronomy that tells us that we are supposed to come before God with burnt offerings. That's the way that our sins are forgiven. It says, shall I bring calves that are a year old? It says, will the Lord be pleased if I bring rams, a thousand rams? Or maybe the Lord will be pleased if I bring 10,000 rivers of olive oil, which is highly prized and shows how much you love God. It says, would the Lord be pleased if I offered my firstborn son for my transgression, hearkening back to Abraham and what God asked Abraham to do with Isaac? All of these things have a place in Scripture. All of these things have rooting in Scripture. It would be okay to think that these are things that God would want of us because you can find examples of them in Scripture. But what God says to God's people is that we actually really know what's at the heart of what God wants for us, from us. You see, what God expects is not these things. What God expects is not sacrifice. What God expects is not our firstborn son. What God expects is not the prostrated exaltation. What God expects from you, from me, from that first group of Israelites was simply this, was to act justly, was to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord. Act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord. You see, what God's expectations are of us are so much different than what you and I and what the first Israelites actually might think. Because if we polled all of America, believers and non-believers alike, and asked them what they thought God expected of Christians, I think we'd see something like this, that they go to church, that they read their Bible, that they pray, maybe, maybe that they help other people, maybe, but I think at the top of the list would be that they go to church, right? That would be the first one, because that's what we do, right? We show up here at the holy hour of 11 o'clock. You're not holy, you're here at 9. Um, but 11 o'clock, right? That's the holy hour. That's like the number one thing. If you go to church, then you've checked the mark. You're a Christian. That's all you got to do. 
Show up here at 11 o'clock, done, Christian. God is okay with me. That's the expectation I have to meet. That we read scripture, well, most of us, we know, we don't do that. That we pray, probably more of you do that than read scripture. But the expectation that God actually has of us, then and still today, is so much different than what we would think. It's not a list of to-dos, it's a way of living our lives. It's a rhythm of living. And this rhythm is a rhythm that includes acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with the Lord. Acting justly is not just being just in your own life, but it is that. And so we need to think, is our life surrounded by justice? Are we truthful in our dealings? With each other, with our family members, with our community members? You know, I've had people tell me, businessmen, businesswomen, that, you know, in order for me to get a job, I can't tell them that I'm going to be there in five weeks. So I stretch it a little bit and say, I'll be there in two, knowing that I'm going to be there in five so I can get the job. It's just a little, it's just a little fib, right? Or, or we lie to ourselves. When we, when we stretch the truth about what we know we're supposed to be doing, what we know is okay, but we step outside of that because in this moment, for this moment, I deserve whatever it is that is okay in that moment, whether it's a piece of cake or that bag that we can't afford or that car for men. I'm just gonna put something in there for men. I'm just gonna go car always for men. It's gonna be car or football game for guys and it's gonna be bags or clothes for girls. I'm totally typecasting, but you get it. Acting justly is about our own lives, but it's also participating in the justice of other people's lives. It's not just about us. This rhythm of living that God is calling us to has to do with, yes, our lives, but also the lives of others. Are you actively participating in calling for justice in the lives of others? If you're not, if you're not seeking to go beyond your own circle of influence, your own circle of knowledge, you're not growing the way God's calling you to grow. Then we're called to love mercy. Not just to have mercy, but to love mercy. Forgiveness. Forgiving people who have stepped on you in your life. Forgiving people who believe differently than you. Forgiving people who you think have behaved horribly. Forgiving them. Forgiving them so that you can see them with the eyes that God sees them with. Forgiving them so that you can live in life with them, so that you can do life with them, or simply so that you can walk away without a wounded heart. Forgiveness is a rhythm that we are called to. Justice and forgiveness. 
And then the one that overlies it all is humility. You see, the thing that keeps us from both of these things is the fact that you and I often think that we are right in the ways that we think and what we believe. If we're Democrat, we think that what we think is right. If we're Republican, we think that what we think is right. If we are in the middle, we think that what we think is right. And the people that are on other sides, well, they're just wrong. What they believe is wrong. Who they are is wrong. What they do is wrong. There's no humility in that. And the reason why we cannot get over the division that we have in the world today is because there's no humility in the way that we relate with one another. There's no choosing to decide that maybe, just maybe, I could be wrong. Maybe, just maybe, there's a place in between this where we could meet in the middle. And we're never going to be the united place that we're supposed to be, the place of God, not the United States, but the united place of God that we're called to be if we cannot be humble creatures before God. Because none of us are God. None of us. And in order for us to have mercy, in order for us to have justice and love, we have to have humility and understanding that we, you and I, are not God. We are not always right. So when we look at the work that we are called to do, when we look at risk-taking mission and service, the first thing we have to understand is that we are called to bring justice and mercy to the world humbly. So that means that we are called to bring justice and mercy to the world in a way in which we have no expectations. There's no strings attached. You see, when we don't go with it humbly, we place strings attached. We serve people with expectations. I'll serve you, but if I serve you, I'm going to expect you to do something in exchange. I'm going to expect you to change, or I'm going to expect you to come to church. If I serve you, I'm going to expect you to come here. Or if I do this for you, I'm going to expect you to become part of my congregation. Or I'm going to expect you to come help our congregation. Or I'm going to expect you to go to a different congregation, but I'm going to expect something of you. So often that's what churches do. They go out in the world serving under the guise of God, but what they're really doing is serving under the guise of growing their church. That's not humility. When we serve with expectations attached to it, we are not serving with humility. So why do we do this? Why do we serve? Why do we act with justice and mercy? Why do we walk humbly with God? And the answer for that comes from Luke. No, I lie to you. It comes from Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25... We see the scripture that tells us that when, it says that when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And it's a whole list of these beautiful things that were done. And what it tells us is that every time we serve somebody in this world, who we are serving is not them, but Christ. Who we are serving when we serve others is not the person themselves, 
but Christ, the creator, the one who came before. We serve them because we're serving Christ, and we serve them because we're asked to by God. Do you see that? The reason why we do this is because every single human on the face of the planet is a creation of God, a representative of Christ on earth. So the reason why we do this is because they are Christ walking, is because they are a light that needs to be lit with the love of God. We do it with the hope, with the hope that they're going to hear the word and that they're going to see God for who God is, but we don't do it with expectation of anything else. We leave that up to God. The reason why we serve is because we're called to be a Christ and because every time we serve somebody on this earth, we are serving Christ. The expectation that God has for us is that we will have a rhythm of justice and mercy and humility in our lives, not a rhythm of going to church on Sundays. Not a rhythm of going to Bible studies, not even necessarily a rhythm of prayer, but a rhythm of seeing the world through the eyes of God and then engaging them as if we're engaging Christ every day of our lives. The risk-taking part, what makes this hard, what makes this difficult, what makes it different than just typical service and mission, comes from Luke chapter 6. And in Luke chapter 6, It says this. It says, but to you who are listening, it says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on your cheek, turn them to the other and let them slap that also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. You see, my friends, this no expectations, this no strings attached giving calls us not only to serve those who are easy to serve, but it calls us to go out and seek those who desperately need our help that are different than us. It calls for us to go outside of our comfort zone. It calls us to push past those places that we are normally serving into places that we don't know anything about. It calls us to serve people who don't live like us, It calls us to serve people who don't believe like us. It calls us to serve people who don't act like us. It calls us to serve the people that we judge when we walk around Walmart. It calls us to serve the people that we think we could never, ever be in relationship because of one thing or another. That's what risk-taking mission and service is. It calls us outside of our comfort zone into the world where we think we would never go. Those people that you think are the worst example of humanity on the face of the earth, that's where we need to go. Those people that you think God thinks is an abomination, well, guess what? Those are the people you need to be ministering to 
Those are the people that you need to be serving without strings attached, without expectations, simply showing them the love of God. It's one of the reasons why we do the Kairos ministry. You go into a prison and you meet people who have done all sorts of things that are wrong. When I was in college, I was part of a ministry that worked with kids in a minimum detention facility. And I would go each week and I would work with this young man who had stolen a vehicle and done some other things. And he'd gone on a police chase. And after a long time, we got to know each other pretty well. And I could give him some trouble about the police chase because I thought, I said to him, you know, did you really think you were going to get away? Have you ever seen anybody get away in a police chase? But if I was watching it on TV, I would have said in my head, well, that's the dumbest person on the face of the planet. What is he thinking? Who raised him? Where did he come from? I would have thought all of these horrible things about this boy that I eventually sat across from week after week, learning his story, learning about who he was and how he got to where he is, and learning that he too was a child of God and needed to know that he was loved regardless, regardless what he had done in his life. You see, everybody deserves God's love and God's service. Everybody. Not just those who are easy to serve. So the question we have to ask ourselves as a church is how we reach beyond where we are now into places where we have yet to go into places, into hearts where they don't know that God is real, where they don't know that the love of God is real for them, and where they don't know that people like you and I who come to church each week see them as human beings worthy of our time. It's hard. It's not going to be easy. But God didn't ask us to do easy things. God asked us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly each day with our Lord. That's an expectation that our Lord has of us, that rhythm of life. So my question to you is, how are you engaging in that rhythm? How are you engaging in justice, mercy, in humility. And every season of life is going to look different. We all have different capacities. But each one of us needs to be intentionally choosing to engage all of those things and letting God use us to help others know that they matter. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, It is so easy to get caught up in the checklist of church things that are to do. Those expectations that we put on ourselves that you never asked of us. Nowhere in scripture did you ask of us to be here each week, but you did ask us to be in community with each other. You did ask us 
to be humbly committed to you, and you did ask us, Lord, to engage in justice and mercy in this world. And so, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds so that we can see how we can better engage, both individually and communally, in the acts of justice and mercy, in the acts of service to our community and to those who need to know that regardless of who they are and what they've done and where they are in this world, that you are their creator and that you love them. And so do we. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.